Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 19th, 2021, including Fortnite does a humongous among us, people can fly, and Square Enix share some disappointing news about Outriders, Call of Duty won't stop making the news, and more. Welcome to the pre-Gamescom 2021 episode of Xbox On, episode 115. So we have a couple of things to address before we jump really into the meat of the podcast today. Not really the general corrections, but more so some light news stories that we're not going to get too into, but I just want to draw some attention to as well as a couple of announcements. So as a reminder, next week is Gamescom, so it will happen next Tuesday the what is that the 24th 24th and then the podcast will still go live on the regular thursday the 26th so that way we'll be able to get all the games come in next week's podcast episode and it won't be super delayed or anything like that it'll be pretty timely so everything's going to line up just so uh now remember we're still expecting some decent news from that not like e3 level news but updates on a lot of games that are coming from team xbox and hopefully some re-reveals or revisits of things we haven't heard from in a while it'd be nice to you know i am I'm, I'm i'm thinking small i'm hoping for you know like a re-reveal of crossfire x the the campaign for the game that that's coming from smilegate the campaign is uh, being developed by remedy entertainment hopefully we see what happened to that because that was supposed to come out like a year ago and now it's just kind of dead in the water so we don't really know where where that is so i'm expecting small announcements probably things like that Maybe, you know, we get a, a Halo Infinite release date. I could see that happening. And then, you know, maybe it's bigger than we're all thinking and we get something like a Fable gameplay reveal or something. But I, that that one might be wishful thinking. For the most part, I assume it's going to be, you know, follow-ups on games coming out this year and next year and some some smaller things for the most part. And it's, it's no E3, but it is, you know, aside from E3 and the game, the game Awards, this is really where Xbox usually does their biggest announcements. So, you know, I, I was thinking about it like, Halo Wars 2 got announced at Gamescom back in 2017, so why, you know, who's to say we don't, we don't get something interesting this year? So that is next week. Be on the lookout for that. So you would think this is a slow, boring news week in anticipation for that, but actually we got we got some decent stuff to talk about, so shut up. Don't get all sour about this upcoming episode that you're about to dig into. Next up, the day this show goes live, we got a couple things happening. QuakeCon begins this weekend. It runs to the 21st. It is Bethesda's little fan convention they do every year. So this is, you know, usually nothing really big comes from this. But now that Bethesda's part of the Xbox family, you might want to pay a little closer attention to this kind of thing. But I- I'm not expecting anything too big from this either. Maybe get an update on Quake Champions or something with Doom or something like that. But this is a just something to be aware of. If anything comes from this, we'll talk about it in next week's episode. But this will be happening over this uh, this current weekend that we're about to in, in embark on. So that's another thing I wanted to make you aware of. And then also, uh, as speaking of Xbox games, this is an Xbox podcast after all. 12 Minutes is out as of today, Thursday, the day this show goes live. New Xbox indie temporary limited time console exclusive we've seen this at e3 a number of times and now it's finally here it's finally out it is on game pass so you can download that now 
Remember, this is that game with the isometric perspective, that indie game where it's like every 12 minutes, the event just keeps repeating. It shows like the guy in the apartment, and he's taking the phone call, and someone's dead, and what happened, and you got to figure out the situation and piece together the clues to find out who the origami killer is. No, it's uh, you know, apparently people are really high on this game. Critics seem to really like it based on early impressions, and people seem to be pretty hyped about it. So probably something you want to check out this weekend if you just got to be in the know about the latest and greatest Xbox games on Game Pass. So that's another thing I want to point out. And then before we jump into the two news stories that we're just going to make mention of but not dive into, I do want to do a little bit of a personal announcement, guys. I'm very excited about some news I got right now. So I know a lot of you guys don't care about the outside of Xbox on stuff. So if you're don't, if if you not here for my YouTube or my Twitch or any of that, feel free to just skip ahead the next two minutes or so. But I got to make a quick announcement. So first of all, I want to say a very special thank you to all you guys for constantly supporting the podcast and, and the Twitch stream and everything. I'm really, really just pleased with, uh, you know, it's not even about performance or growth or anything like that. It's just I, I feel personally you know, proud of what we've built. And, and I, I enjoy getting to do this with you guys. So it's always fun to log off on Monday night from a stream and then upload a podcast on Thursday morning and, and watch your guys' initial reactions to the show and things like that. So I really appreciate the support, but uh, in my efforts to try and take this to the next level and go a little further with all these creative efforts, I, uh, I got some new news here. So I've started a second YouTube channel. Now, I've already been teasing that I was going to do some video content, but I've started a second YouTube channel and some changes are happening to this one. So the first thing is this channel you're listening to right now. Most of you guys listen to this show through podcast feeds, but I know a handful of you do listen through YouTube. Normally, the show goes up on my second best gaming YouTube channel. I always make the joke about how it's a stupid name I came up with many, many years ago. Don't laugh at it, you know, but the name of the channel has officially changed. You may notice that the show is now going live on the YouTube channel titled Xbox on podcast. So now the channel is aptly named for what it is that I upload, which is exclusively this show. This channel will remain hundred percent the same. The podcast is remaining hundred percent the same. Nothing is changing there. You don't have to take any action if you're just here for the podcast, but now instead of being called second best gaming, the YouTube channel is called Xbox on podcast. Strangely enough, that is actually making it harder for discoverability, I've learned. I've been looking it up, searching from like different devices and stuff. When you used to look up second best gaming, I showed up pretty high on the top of the search results in YouTube. But now when you look up Xbox on podcast, it's actually harder to find the channel. So I may have just shot myself in the foot a little bit with that one. But if you type in like Xbox on Jesse DeRosa or something like that, you find it a little easier. I guess that's my problem more than yours. But anyway... So you may notice this this channel is now 100% just Xbox on. This is a channel for people who just want the podcast, don't care about the other stuff. That's totally cool. We're happy to have you here. But that's what's happening with this channel. Now, I have a second YouTube channel because I want to do some other things, but I don't want to bother you guys who just want the podcast with all this other bullshit that you're not interested in. So my new channel taking from the Twitch stream is just called lightning extreme. Don't know if that's going to be a permanent name, but for now it's like, you know what? Let's not throw too many names in the mixes. So, so the podcast is Xbox on the YouTube channel for Xbox on it's called Xbox on podcast. Everything's super simple there. My Twitch is still lightning extreme, but now the new YouTube page is called lightning extreme as well. And here's where I'm going to be uploading my videos. Now I've been teasing a little bit that I was, I've been working on some videos. That's why I recently purchased a new PC was so that we could do streaming a little better, podcasting a little better, and also edit and put out some videos. And, uh, I've, I've been working on a video this past week, a little bit on and off, and I'm hoping to have it out sometime early next week. So look forward to that. The new YouTube channel is lightning extreme. 
Very hard to find, so I've linked it in the description of this video. You can see it on my Twitter, at Jesse DeRosa. You can link to it. It's really hard to find the channel right now because when you first create a channel on YouTube, they make discoverability almost impossible because YouTube's plan is to make sure everyone fails and succeed. It, everyone absolutely fails, and the people who are already succeeding continue to succeed. That's how the algorithms are, are set. So... It may be hard to find it, but just check my Twitter, check the description of this video, or reach out to me if you'd like, and I can help link you to it. But it's Lightning Extreme. It's the new YouTube channel. I'm hoping to have my first video up next week, and just as a little sneak peek, the first video is going to be, and I, I assume this is a lot of the early content I'm going to be making, is taking video footage from the streams that we do over on Twitch, and then heavily editing them to be really stupid and choppy, almost like Twitch stream meets highlight video meets YouTube poop, heavy editing and tons of stupidity. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you guys. I hope it uh Hope it turns out all right, and you can find all that content on the Lightning Extreme YouTube channel. So I'd just like to wrap up one more thing. Please go and subscribe to that. Please, please, please. I'm I got another surprise thing I'm working on, but in order to get there, I wanna I wanna focus on just kind of getting an initial install base on this new channel. So if we can get some some subs at the Tw Lightning Extreme YouTube channel, that'd be really appreciated. Maybe if we can get to like 50 subs or something just to kind of help establish it, that'd be really great. As a reminder, this this YouTube page for Xbox On is almost at a thousand. So we're at about eight and a, eight eight hundred fifty or so. So if we can get that extra hundred fifty subscribers, oh baby. Oh, baby, I got a big surprise for you. You're going to love it. You like caramel? Okay, I'm going to put some caramel on this this nice thing I got cooking up for you. You're going to like it. It's going to be sweet, sticky and sweet. All right, that's it for all the initial news, guys. With that out of the way, a couple little quick things I want to talk about before we jump into the comments in the regular run. Now, another sexual harassment story is broken out because apparently the reason why video games are constantly being delayed and missing release dates and all these things and why crunch happens in the industry has nothing to do with covid has nothing to do with games being technical fragile pieces of software that you know can break or, or come together with a with a with the slightest one or zero that is off no 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 that's that's not what's happening in the industry the real reason why the games ain't coming why halo infinite's been delayed so many goddamn times the real reason why miyamoto wants you to know uh, a delayed game is good but a, a rushed game is bad forever the real reason is because all these goddamn game developers cannot keep their hands themselves. They keep sexually harassing all these women, apparently, because Ubisoft's got another one here. Now it's Ubisoft Singapore. So totally different studio. U Ubisoft's been facing this shit in their French studio. We've got Activision Blizzard dealing with this shit over in California. We, we see this kind of stuff happen on and off all the time. But now Ubisoft's like, hey... We're not going to be outdone by Activision here, okay? We can harass our women way worse than you can. So a new report is coming out, unfortunately. Now, Ubisoft Singapore, this is the team that has been working on Skull and Bones. See what I mean? Skull and Bones. It was announced like five years ago. It's still not out. It keeps getting delayed and rebuilt. Again, it's not because the game is technical and hard to build and it takes a lot of time and money and, and talent. It's because these developers can't stop fucking abusing women long enough to, to finish making their goddamn game. So... Ubisoft Singapore, I obviously don't mean to make light of a really serious situation, but the reason why we're not di diving into this deeper is because at this point, I've made the statements I can make. I've said all the things I can say. I'm not a very eloquent person. I don't know a lot about the legalities of, of these kinds of situations. There's not really much I have to offer other than the things we've already talked about. So I just want to put this out there because it is an important story and it deserves to be mentioned and brought to light. And obviously more bad shit happening, more victims and more really, really shitty people in our games industry. 
but I just need to bring this up so you guys are aware of it with the with the disclaimer that it would be kind of stupid for me to just continue to try and divulge on this this conversation because what what more do you want? What more can I say? I, I barely know how to fucking tie my shoes, let alone talk about sexual harassment lawsuits. So, you know, fuck us all. We can't play video games because these boners from their mom's basements can't stop treating their female coworkers like absolute dog shit. And then the last one here, significantly less shitty um, is actually a, a story that's been tossed around a lot this past week regarding Phil Spencer and the Steam Deck. Now, I think this story's been blown out of proportion a lot. A lot of people are trying to draw a lot of info out of what I think is mostly nothing, but Phil Spencer had the chance to use the Steam Deck, the upcoming Nintendo Switch-like Steam handheld device, and he tweeted out the following after using it. He said, was at Valve Software this weekend talking with Scott, Eric, and Gabe about Steam Deck. After having mine most of the week, I can say it's a really nice device. Games with me on the go screen size controls are great playing halo and age of empires feels good xcloud works well congrats steam deck team so a lot of people took this as oh my god they're gonna put game pass on steam deck oh my god uh steam deck is gonna be this new xbox uh, valve hybrid device listen yes you can technically get windows running on this device yes you could probably make xcloud and all these things work just fine on this device that that's the point but that's not what they're building this device to inherently B and a lot of people were trying to reinterpret this as Phil Spencer like winking and nodding to like hey we're working with Valve hey we, we've got a lot of Xbox related stuff happening with this with this new device like keep on you know be on the lookout but it's like no Phil Spencer is always being the guy giving shout outs to other people and, and saying nice things you know every time PlayStation puts out a game he's like oh played the new God of War game real good job PlayStation good job making a game uh, congrats to you on this multi-million dollar success you have coming your way and then you know PlayStation won't ever say anything nice to Xbox it's a very common thing it's Phil, Phil's ongoing effort to just put positivity out there and just be a nice guy and that's not a dig on Sony it's 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 very unusual that really anyone does that but Phil Spencer in particular has been real big on pushing that kind of energy out there. So this seems more in line with the kind of thing he normally does and a lot less like his way of being like, Hey, pay attention to steam deck. Cause we got some, we got some Xbox partnerships coming up. So I just want to put that out there that you can read more about that story. If you like, I, I personally think a lot of outlets and people are just, are reading a little too much into what that tweet was all about, but nonetheless, maybe, eh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he was being pretty black and white about it saying, Hey, Halo's coming to Steam Deck, you fucking idiots. Well, I guess of course it is because Steam, but whatever. Uh, all right, with that out of the way, guys, let's jump into the regular comments, shoutouts, and everything. You know how it goes. You want to leave a comment, you go over to YouTube.com. YouTube.com. Leave out the E. YouTube.com. Uh, you look up second best game. Oh, oh, wait. You don't look up second best game in no more. Now you look up Xbox on podcast. Now it makes perfect sense. You say, I want to find the Xbox on podcast on YouTube. What should I look up? The answer used to be Xbox on. Well, of course, you got to look up second best gaming. But now we live in a world where everything's asked backwards. So now if you want to look up the Xbox on podcast, you're actually going to search in Xbox on. I know it, it makes no fucking sense, but that's how you do it. So you do that. All I'm uploading to that channel is the Xbox on podcast. So click on the latest episode and you can leave yourself a comment. You can say something nice like Jesse. What the fuck happened to the structure of the show? You used to open up with a little bad dad joke that would fall flat on its face. And then you went right into the comments. But now you just keep talking about your Twitch and your other YouTube channel and the personal decisions you make behind 
behind closed doors and all the stories that are news stories that you're still covering like the news but 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 then abandoning halfway through your interpretation like what is this fucking fucking podcast the ride i didn't want this kind of sporadic all over the place no nonsense podcast nonsense no nonsense podcast and i'll be like whoa 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 i get it i've let you down but fucking suck a dick because it's my show and this is how we're doing it. And I'll, and I'll read that comment on the air. It'll be a little weird. It'll be a little disheartening, but we'll do it. You could also leave a nice comment. You can just say, hey, Jesse, good for you. You keep doing you personally. I'm just a podcast guy. I just like to listen to the show. But you keep doing all that other bullshit and you see how that works out for you. Otherwise, I would like to say Adam Sandler is my favorite character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I really hope he makes a return for that Disney Plus show with uh, Carmen Diaz. And uh, keep up the good work. And I'll say, hey, thanks for the comment. What a, what a wonderful thing to say appreciate it as always and we'll move on with our lives and everything will be great our first comment this week comes from Valdezmi who writes in and says hope my comment makes it before you record well you commented last week so no it didn't but like I said I would I put it in this week's this week's comments list because Valdezmi I'm not I'm not leaving you out I'm not I, I want you here you deserve to be here you say finally made it to the comments been listening to your podcast for over a year now and I have to say every week it comes out it goes to the top of my queue looking forward to catching you on Twitch sometime and playing something love the vibe and comedy you bring to the show every week keep it up well Valdezmi, even though that's not a comment that really sparks a discussion or everything or anything and even though it's pretty self-serving for me to read that live on the air i did it anyway because it's a really nice comment and i really appreciate that, those kind of words and your support so thank you for being here and uh i look forward to hanging out with you more in the chat you've been a wonderful wonderful friend on the twitch streams these past few weeks but going on, David, I, speaking of wonderful Twitch people, David I305I, which I think means David Intimidator 305. It's a roller coaster at Carowinds, but this guy seems to think it's about Miami somehow. He says, take your time, no rush. Most likely I won't go to Disney this year. David, love you. Grateful for you. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about here. I have no understanding of the context surrounding this comment, but nonetheless, thank you for taking the time. Ryan Weil jumps in third place and says, well, not you're not third place, but your comment came in third. Listen, Ryan, we're moving on. I've never been crazy into Halo multiplayer, but I've been playing a lot of Master Chief Collection to get ready for Infinite after how great the the game looks. I can't wait. Also, I'm usually a Call of Duty simp, but I have damn near zero interest in this year's game. Battlefield and Halo have my attention. Also, the rumors about GTA Trilogy Remaster have me very excited. Hey, don't get ahead of the news, boy. Also, before I forget, Raising Cane's is the best fast food place around. Thanks. Have a great day. All right, Ryan. Thank you for writing in. Well, I hope Infinite is able to make make you a believer, convert you to Team Halo. I hope this is this is your entry point. This is the moment where you realize that you've been living half a life because on November, whatever the day Halo Infinite comes out, you will become full human. You will become your ultimate form you will be like shadow the hedgehog in the hit 2004 game shadow the hedgehog and you will just fucking wreck havoc on this world with your newfound love and appreciation for all things halo i hope that's the case and you know what i also hope this year's call of duty it, it manages to manages to prove to everyone that they were wrong and that was actually a good game because that means just more great games for everyone right and also i'm glad you're excited about gta but you're getting ahead of the news because we'll talk about that in a little bit but most importantly above all you guys keep talking about raising canes now lethal migraine who i don't know where the hell he's been he's been kind of disappearing lethal migraine please write in i want to know you're okay you know i love you you know i miss you lethal migraine always talks about the raising canes it's his favorite fast food chicken he speaks very highly of it I never knew about Raising Cane's until Lethal Migraine in, in, in enlightened me. And then I found out 
that I, I apparently live like 40 minutes away from a Raising Cane's most of my life, or I don't know if it's a new location, whatever, but I had just moved away from it. And now I live here in Florida. We don't have Raising Cane's. So you guys keep coming in here, bragging about how great the chicken is at Raising Cane's, best fast food around. And it's really making me feel bad because I don't have Raising Cane's. I can't go get it. And I tried. I've gone to their website. You cannot airmail Raising Cane's. There is no $17 one-day shipping option for Raising Cane's. I can't do it. Simply impossible. And so why are you going to come here, Ryan, and just brag to me about the place I can't have, the chicken that is inaccessible to me? You think Publix Chicken or Popeyes are going to do it for me? No. Absolutely inexcusable. I want Raising Cane's, and I demand it right now. Someone get Ron DeSantis on the phone and tell that fucking idiot it's time for Raising Cane's right this fucking second. All right, Josiah writes in. He's my brother. He says, what are the odds we see about at Gamescom? Also, is it Gamescom or Gamescon? I feel like Gamescon makes more sense, but it sounds like people say it with an M. Yes, it is Gamescom with an M, not an N. It is M for Mary, not N for Nicaragua, country in Central America. All right, now, yes, it is Gamescom with an M, blah, blah, blah. Avada Gamescom, see, I feel like this, this is one of the ones where I'm like, Maybe. We have a better chance of seeing Avowed at Gamescom, I think, than we have of seeing Perfect Dark or Elder Scrolls Six, which we're obviously not going to see, right? So I, I think it's there's, there's a slight possibility. It would be awesome to me if we did, but at the same time, I'm not holding my breath. I think we have a better chance of seeing Hellblade 2, actually, more than anything. Because, well, remember my biggest complaint about E3 was, like, why did they announce all these new games when last year they already announced a bunch of games that we're now like wondering what the hell's up with this game and this game and this game. So that would be awesome if that's what this was about was like, well, every E3 we just announced a bunch of new games and then Gamescom and, and Game Awards and these other events are the opportunities for us to give you updates on the other games, you know? That'd be awesome. And that way it just shows that, you know, Xbox has so many studios, so much content coming out that they can always talk about something. You know, if you didn't see it at this event, you'll probably see it at the next one. They just got so many games. The problem isn't that these games are disappearing. It's that there's just so much content coming. I, I love the idea of that, of them like totally making me look like a bitch for all my E3 complaints, but being like, all the games you were wondering why they weren't at E3, well, here they are at Gamescom. Here's your updates, Jesse. And then next year, we'll talk about the E3 games of 2021 at Gamescom. And at E3 2022, we'll just announce new games because we're Xbox and we can fucking do it. Suck a dick. I, I'd love for that to be the case. I'm not totally convinced. I wouldn't hold your breath on Avowed. But I, I think the two that are most realistic and that I'm most intrigued to see would be Hellblade 2 and Crossfire X campaign from um, from Remedy. But we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Patience, young one. We have less than a week to go. Mr. Meggy comes in and says, I played the test flight beta on Sexbox and had a server and had the server lag each of the days I played. I did okay, and it would end up with a KDR of 1.0. Also, because this is an Xbox podcast, I feel the need to mention that I'm currently trying to save up for my next car, since there probably won't be a manual transmission car by the end of the decade. I got like six or more that I'm debating on. Sadly, sadly, it means saving up for a house will have to wait for me. All right, Mr. Miggy, I'm glad you mentioned this because this is absolutely pertinent to Xbox. But the thing is, I don't even know if I can name six cars with a manual transmission that they currently sell here in the States. Now, obviously, in Europe and in Asia markets and stuff, they're a little more lucky. They still have more manual transmission vehicles than we do here in America. In America, I know you know people are just so, they're just so against it. Now, I, I think that might be North America in general. I think Canada, it has like a slightly better array of manual transmission vehicles, but not still still nothing compared to like what Europe and in Asia have. But I'm, I must say, yes, Mr. Miggy, if you're here, if you're looking for a vehicle with a manual transmission in the year 2021, I'm going to tell you what it is. And I don't care if you like it or not. You got to go with it. 
Don't go with the Subaru. They're fucking idiots. Don't go with the Yaris. None of these, okay? You go, you go with, well, it's Subaru, but I, I meant like a WRX. Go with the Subaru BRZ or the Toyota 86. They're actually refreshing it. I think the, the new one comes out in like a month or two. Dude, that, that car is so cool. I actually don't like the refresh. It looks kind of like a Porsche. I don't like that. I, I actually like the, the 2011 to 2020 model a lot better. But go with the, the Toyota 86 or the Subaru BRZ. It's a beautiful car. That's the car I wanted to get. But I, I didn't get it because it's a little too sporty and a little too expensive for my taste. But, you know, you know, Mr. Miggy, if you, if you got to have a manual, might as well get the one I'm picking for you without me even taking your preference into account. Now, ERNC05 writes in and says, I'm a sports fan, so generally I play sports games. I do play shoots such as COD and PUBG, but I suck, lol. I'm thinking about getting Game Pass so I can play Halo for the first time when it comes out. ERNC05. Let me just tell you straight up, don't buy Master Chief Collection, don't play COD, don't don't play any of these games, because the problem is, David I-305 is already very good at these games, and you stand no chance of getting any better than he is, so don't even waste your time, the The boat has gone, it has, has come and sailed, and you are not on this boat, let me tell you what, you are, you are either luckily on land, dry, free to decide on something else to do, or you're in the water drowning right now, but don't fucking, don't do it, don't you fucking buy Halo, I'm watching you. I got your credit card numbers. I'll know every transaction you make, goddammit. But no, if you really want to try Halo, I think you play Halo. The thing is, the nice thing about Halo compared to the other shooters you mentioned is Halo is way more casual and accessible. PUBG, any BR game is so incredibly sweaty. That's why I'm almost surprised like how popular Fortnite is with kids. But, you know, kids kids are cooler than, than us old people, so maybe that makes sense. But, like, you know, PUBG in particular is such a sweaty game. Or COD Warzone. Oh, my God. Call of Duty Warzone is so fucking sweaty. You would think you're in Florida. Like, it's so sweaty. It's, it's just like, you know, you get in, and it's so unfriendly to newcomers. It's like, oh, you're not good at shooters? Well, look, this is what you do. So you, you start, and you run around, and you wait for the match to start, and then you get in a bus, and you jump out the bus, and you land in the middle of nowhere, and then you run around, you look for weapons, you scavenge, you try to find people to squad up with, you try to figure out where you are on the map, where you need to get going. About 45 minutes into the match, you're just going to get shot out of thin air by some asshole, and you're going to be like, wow, that fucking sucked. I didn't even get to do anything, and then that's the game. Game over. So the good thing about Halo is Halo is nothing like that. Halo is so casual. You just play a social playlist. You don't have to be good to have a fun time. You just you know take it from me. You take it from anyone here who's joined my streams. They, they can tell you I'm not that good at Halo. But you get in the Halo match, it's good. You get your AR, you start shooting, you jump around. It's all physics-based. You're throwing grenades off the wall, bouncing them around, jumping everywhere. You know, all the guns are wacky. Some of them are super OP. It's just a good old fun time. That's a really nice thing about arena shooters in general, particularly Halo. I think if, if FPSs are not generally your thing, you know, you're turned off a little bit by how hard they are. I think Halo's a really good place to start. Much better than much better than something like PUBG. But, you know, COD, I know COD's the most popular shooter, but I still think Call of Duty's pretty tough, you know? It's like the time to kill is so low, so it's like you run out there and before you can even figure out where the gunfire's coming from, boom, you're dead, you know? And yeah, it's, it's friendly because the respawn time is so fast and the action's so fast that it's like, okay, you died, no big deal, you just get right back into the action. But I don't know. I, I think Halo's pretty damn friendly to newcomers, so maybe give it a try, E-R-E-R-N, but uh, if you don't, that's all so cool. There's always 12 minutes available now on Game Pass. I'm not sponsored by anyway. All right. Now, on the topic of guests, having guests on Xbox on, because we talked about this last week, and a couple of you had some something to say about it. A handful of you wrote in, but I think Mavs Man sums up most people's response quite well, saying, Call me into the lineup, coach. When you have listeners as guests, you know I'm good for shit-talking, foodie, and, of course, Xbox is my daddy talk. So, Mavs Man... I'm disgusted. I'm throwing up in my mouth right now. 
by the comment you've made to me. But I, yes, no, I mean, a, a handful of you, I, I, I appreciate we're actually pretty receptive to the idea of potentially having guests on the show going as far as being like, Hey, I'd, I'd be on the show. I, I, I would talk to you. I would, I would engage in dialogue with you. And I appreciate that. That's nice. I, I'm not used to that. So that's, that, that'd be good. But, uh, my brother has an opposing point of view where he says, I don't like the idea of bringing on guests unless the person you're bringing on is like Phil Spencer or someone. So guys, if you want to go on the podcast, I think what my brother is saying is you have to legally change your name to Phil Spencer. Uh, none of this Philip Spencer shit. It's got to be Phil Spencer. Go ahead and do that. Once you've legally changed your name, submit your updated ID to me for proof, and I will get you on the show as soon as possible, okay? But no, I, I, I like the idea. I was talking to a friend about it over the weekend, and uh, I, he, he kind of put it the way I, I also think would probably work best is like, we well, could do like like a guest on the show kind of thing if like someone from the audience wants to do it, but it would have to be like a special thing, like every now and then, like the week after Christmas when there's literally nothing happening in the world of news. You know, that'd be a fun episode to do it just because it's like, okay, let's have a dick off, you know, interstitial episode. Let's do that. But for the regular week to week run of Xbox on, it's probably going to continue to just be me talking into the void. But I do like this idea. I'm not done with it, but I'm I'm just in the process right now trying to do a lot of things. A lot of things are in motion. So that there's no way this is happening anytime imminently, but I do appreciate you guys writing in, and I do appreciate that there are people who are willing to step up, you know, to the co- join the cause, and potentially one day even uh, get to have their own mindless rant on the Xbox On podcast in the form of something other than a YouTube comment. Now, rounding out the comments this week, we got a couple little quick ones. Speaking of uh, Dead Captain James, he says the the chicken. I don't even know if I said that. The chicken sandwich at Burger King is the most disappointing thing I've experienced in my life. This is this is the food talk section of the podcast, guys. Aside from the day my mother gave birth to me, so let me read that sentence again because it was well written written and I chopped it up. The chicken sandwich is the most disappointing thing I've experienced in my life. Aside from the day my mother gave birth to me, I had a spicy one and it was just bad. Not having a Chick Fil A, God's gift to mankind, within seven hours of me makes me really question life choices now dead captain james i don't feel bad that you had the chicken sandwich at burger king and you wasted money on it and it wasn't good i don't feel bad about that because i told you so i warned you why would you go and do that you know you know better i told you the sandwich was bad a week or two ago two weeks ago three weeks ago i gave you ample time i gave you so much warning i told you not to get it and then you went and get it and you were disappointed so that's you're an adult that's your decision You'd be disappointed. I know you're not blaming me, but I don't feel bad about that. No sympathy. What I do feel bad about is that you live seven hours away from a Chick-fil-A. And even though I say regularly on this podcast, Chick-fil-A is a little overrated. I've had enough for one lifetime. I'm kind of over Chick-fil-A. That doesn't mean I hate Chick-fil-A. Listen, I like Chick-fil-A. There's a reason why it's as big as it is. I enjoy Chick-fil-A. I respect Chick-fil-A. And if you are someone who feels like you haven't gotten your life's Chick-fil-A quota in, you know, it's a shame to live seven hours away from one. That's that's worse than me living seven hours away from the nearest Raising Cane's, which, I mean, I guess I don't know if it's really worse because I've never had Raising Cane's. But the fact that you are seven hours away, guys, real call to action here. Can we get a GoFundMe set up so that we can airmail Dead Captain James some Chick-fil-A Maybe now that the U.S. is pulling out of Afghanistan, we can use some of those drones they won't be using to uh, to drop in a number one combo with a Coke light ice and a, uh, oh, dude, you got to get some Chick-fil-A sauce and one of those cookies and cream milkshakes. You just got to do it. So, Dead Captain James, I'm sorry to hear that. 
Now, Josiah, my brother, who's getting double double penetration this week, says, I had the McDonald's chicken sandwich and the Chick-fil-A sandwich this week. Just to add to the conversation, the McDonald's one was trash, 4 out of 10. The chicken was dry and tasteless. Chick-fil-A was Chick-fil-A. I really want to try the Popeye's one finally. So I just don't understand why you would even go to this extent to, like, start trying the sandwiches for the sake of being in the in the know and being in the just having the experience and understanding the conversation better but then you don't get the Popeyes one like what the fuck you've had Chick-fil-A you know what that's all about and I understand you want to have a fresh one so you can compare it in the moment to the McDonald's one but why the fuck aren't you getting the Popeyes one that's being that's like saying I really want to get a feel for what all the next gen consoles are like right now so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna buy an Xbox Series X and I'm gonna I'm gonna compare it to my Nintendo Switch to see which one's better it's like what are you fuck what what are you fucking talking about, man? It's like you got you can't just leave the PS5 out of the conversation. That's the other big next gen console. But no, here you are leaving the PS5 on the table, collecting dust, just like the Popeye sandwich. And yeah, just like it's great that you had Chick Fil A. Everyone knows Chick Fil A is great. Great that you got the Xbox Series X. Who doesn't love the Xbox Series X? After all, it's an Xbox podcast where we talk about Xbox sometimes. But you just left the PS5 out, and you call yourself a fucking gamer. All right, Mavs man, jumping in here responding to my brother says you're doing yourself a disservice until you've had the king of sandwiches now was it worth the hype a few years ago no but it is a damn fine sandwich and currently at the top of the chicken sandwich power rankings mavs man couldn't have said it better myself and then finally my mother writes in and says excuse me but what are elephants doing in the rainforest referring to rainforest cafe of course and i said being awesome now that's gonna do it for all of our comments shout outs and whatnot for this week remember guys for next week don't be shy reply now let's jump into what i've been playing but before i can tell you about what i've been playing there's only one thing i gotta tell you it's what i've been eating now a couple weeks ago mr miggy one mr miggy was in the state of florida in the city of orlando on what you might call a vacation he stopped at a local place called the wawa it's a it's a convenience store chain you may know it if you're from the northeast or florida or whatever who gives a shit in the wawa he tried to he tried a milkshake it was the chips ahoy milkshake from wawa and you recommended it to me and i said Oh, I count calories now. I can't have a Chips Ahoy milkshake, but it sounds good. I'm sure it's great. Fuck you. You know, I kind of blew you off. But this past week, I found myself in a Wawa for the first time in a while. And it was right out. See, this is the mistake I made. I went right after work. And I had like an hour of traffic ahead of me. So it was that thing of like, oh, man, I'm hungry. I want to be home. I'm kind of irritated. Don't want to be here right now. I could spend $3 and make myself, you know, happy again. You know, if I, if I eat something that tastes good, the endorphins might go off in my head and make everything all right for a moment. So I saw the ad for the Chips Ahoy milkshake at the Wawa, and I did the bad thing, and I ordered one. And uh, Mr. Miggy, got to be honest with you, I don't regret it one bit. You were right. The Chips Ahoy milkshake at Wawa is, by and large, one of the best milkshakes I've had in a long time. Now, I just recommended the cookies and cream milkshake from Dead Cap- to Dead Captain James, you know, from, from Chick-fil-A. Iconic milkshake. One of the great milkshakes of all time in the fast food realm. But boy, oh boy, this one tops it. This one tops it. It's like a nice, it's not too thick of a milkshake, which I really appreciate. So you don't do all that all that sucking with no with no milk. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're going to suck, you might as well get some milk. That's what I always say. And when you suck on this milkshake, you get the milk. And that's one thing I really love about it. Now, the chunks of Chips Ahoy cookies, do they get lodged in the straw? No, because they make the next-gen genius idea to make the chunks of Chips Ahoy either so fine that they're grained up and mixed into the milkshake, so they slurp up the straw with ease, or you get the other chunks, which are way too big for a straw anyway, so you kind of eat it along with the whipped cream. You go scooping it out. So you only you get two of them. You get the best of both worlds. You get the big chunks you got to scoop out and eat with a spoon, 
or you get the little fine grain parts that are mixed in the milkshake and just add to the flavor. But you don't get those annoying fucking medium-sized chunks of cookie that just get lodged in the straw and interrupt your milk your milk satisfaction from your, you know, like I say, if you're going to suck, you might as well get the milk. You don't want your milk getting jammed up in the, in, in the hole, in the tube. And that's, I got to be honest with you, man, this is a phenomenal milkshake. I would give it a 9.3 out of 10. The only thing that could get, make it any better than, than a 9.3 would be if it were served in like some kind of rainforest-like setting. But since that isn't the case, I do have to dock it, of course. But Mr. Mickey, thank you for the recommendation. It is wonderful. I'm still thinking about the milkshake today, and it's been almost a full week since I've had it. In fact, I even managed, by the, by the grace of God, to save like the last fifth of that milkshake until I got home so I could give it to my girlfriend and be like, you got to try this. And even my girlfriend, who's usually, she's usually, we, she, she and I usually we diverge a lot when it comes to desserts or sweet things. We have very different preferences when it comes to sweet treats. But even she liked the milk. So, Mr. Miggy, thank you for the recommendation. That's what I've been eating. Now, as for what I've been playing, still struggling a little bit with just trying to find some time for like personal gaming with the streaming and all the other stuff going on right now but i have been playing some some new games some interesting games playing a lot of halo on the stream but we've been backing off from that a little bit i finally tried splitgate and i got to be honest with you guys i don't know if i talked about this last week but splitgate's fucking awesome i really really like splitgate i i did not think i was going to like this game i had every intention you know of giving it a try but i really thought i'd be like okay it's fine move on with life but Splitgate is very fun to the point where, like, all last weekend I found myself trying to sneak matches where I could, you know, here and there. Like, all right, I, do I got 15 minutes to play a quick match of Splitgate before I got to go do taxes or whatever. And it was great. It was really, it's a really fun game. My only gripe with Splitgate is that the art style is so horrendous. I fucking hate the way this game looks. It looks like bad Halo 4. It looks like Halo 4 made sexy time uh, with all the bad generic sci-fi games. It looks like, what's that French developer that makes? all the iPhone games, Gameloft. It basically looks like a Gameloft game, but for PC and, and Xbox. But man, oh man, the, the thing is above that, beyond the shitty art style and the uninspired art direction, the gameplay is so fun. The weapons are fun. The gameplay is fun. And and you would think the portal thing is is completely game-breaking. You would think people would manipulate the fuck out of the portal thing, and you would just constantly get killed from all directions, and you wouldn't know what's going on. But the portal thing is actually so well-balanced. You can only put portals in certain places, and if you it, it's, it, it works kind of like this. You either don't really know how to take full advantage of the portals, and therefore it doesn't really affect it, and it's just a generic, fun arena shooter, or you learn how to really work the hell out of the portals, and it just gives you this really, like, extra added layer of fun mechanics to the game without it feeling, like, cheap or cheating or unfair. It's really, really amazing how this somehow actually fucking works. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not too great with the portals, but I've gotten a couple of kills, or I've had a couple kill streaks where, like, the portals have played a role. I'm like, that's so fucking, it's so fun. It's like, you know, like, you go up to a platform, like, boom, there's a guy, you take him out with a shotgun. You see a guy in the distance, switch to your sniper rifle, get that motherfucker. Now there's two guys coming up the stairs, they're about to come at you. So you shoot a portal, you jump through the portal, they get up the stairs, and they're like, where the fuck did that guy go? And now you're on the other dimension, looking through the portal you just came in, and you get those bitches out of thin air. And they're like, oh my god, didn't see that coming. It's so, it's so fun. When you pull it off, it's so satisfying. Splitgate is very, very good. I think some of the guns are like a little wonky with the balancing, but I don't mind. The time to kill could be a little longer, in my opinion. But overall, just from a pure gameplay perspective, Splitgate is way more fun than it has any right being. And I'm really welcome. Uh, I'm really glad to welcome that game into the 
rotation of just knockoff, fun, goofy multiplayer games that I plan on continuing to play. Now, that game made me a little nostalgic for some other arena shooters, you know, playing so much Halo and now we're playing some Splitgate. I love arena shooters. Whatever happened to the arena shooter? So now I got this gaming PC. It's a sick-ass PC that will make 14-year-old boys with acne and, and mop hair very interested in what I have to say. So I said, what are the kids playing these days? And I went ahead and I tried to Quake Champions. Now, this game came out many years ago, 2017, I believe, and I never gave it a try. So I was like, fuck it, let's do it. I used to love Quake back in the day. I played the hell out of some Quake 2 and Quake 4. So I was like, let's do this. And I downloaded Quake Champions, and that game's pretty fucking cool also. It feels like classic Quake with a little bit of like a hero shooter twist to it. But the problem with Quake Champions, you know, it's a free-to-play game. It's one of those games that it ha it, you don't hear about it all too much, but it has its really dedicated audience. The problem is that dedicated audience are the fucking, like, New York Yankees of, of free-to-play multiplayer gamers. They're just obnoxiously good, and it's unfair, and it's not fun. Like, you get into a game, you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to give this game a try. Boom, you're dead. And I don't understand a lot of the item pickups in this game because I'm like, all right, we're all spawning with 25% health, but this guy, you know, I put, like, a fucking seven rockets in an in a anal bead up this guy's butthole, and he still won't die, but then he, like, looks at me in the wrong direction and shoots me in, like, the toe, and I fucking one-hit kill. Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's hard as fuck, but it's a cool game. So I've, I've been playing on the bot mode a little bit, dabbling with the Quake Champions. Fun game. I'm going to get into it a little more, but I don't think I can really sustain... This game, a, 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 a relationship with this game for the simple fact that it's just too hard for my bitch ass. And then lastly, I played some more Back for Blood beta, but honestly, I didn't play it nearly as much as I was planning on it. So I can't speak to it that much other than to say I was a little disappointed because I was playing the campaign in the beta on normal difficulty. And it's like having a good time. It's very Left 4 Dead like a little easier than I remember Left 4 Dead being. And then when you get to the finale of the campaign, the difficulty just randomly spikes like crazy. Like, me and my brother were trying to play, and we just, like, it just difficulty spikes out the ass, and then you just keep dying and dying and dying. And if you die enough, it just restarts the entire campaign. You get game over. Like, it's a fucking Mario game from 1998. I'm like, what the hell is this? So, I kind of I kind of got a little aggro. I'm like, just got into Splitgate. Splitgate's a lot of fun. I'm trying to pay, play back for blood, but it's being a little frustrating and wonky with the difficulty spike. Fuck it. And I just kept playing Splitgate. So I'll come back to Back for Blood when it comes out in October. I feel bad that I didn't have more fun and I wasn't more excited for it because I'm such a big Left 4 Dead fan and I would think that a new Left 4 Dead game would have me like over the moon, you know? I, I you would I would think that this would be like, you know, apart from like a new Halo game or a new Sonic game, a new Left 4 Dead game is about as excited as I could get for a new game. So the fact that Back for Blood doesn't have me like giddy is concerning to me because it looks like Back for, it looks like Left 4 Dead, it plays like Left 4 Dead, it, it it has the necessary trappings, but for whatever reason, there are just enough things about this game that are putting me off between the card system and the little hub world menu and all this stuff, the difficulty spikes and the fact that they don't call the zombies zombies, they call them like what is it? they call them like whatever it is, it's just the alien zombie shit, like all all this stuff, it's it's a little much for me. I'm like I just want. Like, the thing that was awesome about Left 4 Dead is it was so tropey. It was like every little campaign was a sweet little 40-minute playthrough, fun as can be, and they were all themed to, like, specific zombie fall-themed tropes. It's like, here's the one where they're in, you know, downtown New York City in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Here's the one where they're in 
you know, the crop fields and the crows are out and it's nighttime and it's fall and there's the tractors and they're going through the barn and shit. It's like, and here's the one where it's like, oh, the crash plane. I don't know if they're going to make it, you know. Oh, man, it's so cool. Here's the one where they're out on the lake, you know, and they're trying to escape on the boat and the zombies are coming from them. I, I just, it's so tropey. It's so typical. It's so fun. That's It's the same way I feel about haunted houses. Like, for some reason, I just love when, when scary stuff is, like, generically scary. You know, it's, like, non-specific. In any way, I don't know why I take to that so much. It's the second you start specifying that you lose me. I guess it's like when horror starts to take itself seriously is when I get lost. It's like you start naming the zombie something specific. You give him background lore and you make me select fucking playing cards like I'm a goddamn poker champion. It's like, okay, now you're losing me. You know, it's like I don't I don't need to know the zombie's backstory. I don't need to have all this lore surrounding this shit. Like, I just want to pick up a shotgun and shoot a zombie. And Back for Blood, for some reason, it just somehow manages to slightly miss the mark. But the problem is I haven't played enough. I, I probably played a collective like three to four hours of this game. So I just haven't played enough to really give a nuanced take of why it's not resonating with me. It's very premature kind of analysis I'm giving here. So that's not by any stretch of the imagination a final verdict. I, I am still excited for this game. I still look forward to playing more. But it just hasn't been doing it for me thus far. So that's kind of what I've been playing. Splitgate is the standout of the bunch for me as of now. But uh, starting sometime this weekend, if I can find fucking an hour to myself, I do want to play the Tales of Arise demo. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm getting a little weebier by the by by the years, but I like Bandai Namco's RPGs a lot more than like a Square Enix RPG. And I just think Tales of Arise looks pretty good. Uh, I I really enjoyed. Scarlet Nexus, and now I'm hoping that, you know, Tales of Arise might be the first Tales game since Tales of Symphonia to really get me back into this franchise, so we'll see about that, but, uh, yep, that's it for what I've been playing, guys, and with that all out of the way, we're done with the opening segments, we said all the things, I plugged my channels, please subscribe on YouTube, follow on Twitch, if you do this, I will come over and give you all the massage, any part you want, I'll do the back, I'll do the feet, I'm not gonna do neck massages because I'm deeply afraid by skeleton structures but you know if you want to give me a follow or a like that'd be always very much appreciated but with that out of the way guys we're going to jump into the news let's talk about xbox but wait we got an emergency comment temple knight wrote in literally just as i was about to start the news i got the notification on my phone and he says we got to read it guys sorry with forza motorsport 7 being delisted soon i've downloaded to my series x to give it a shot it's got a lot of detail and customization beyond what i expected do you think it's worth the 20 dollars to own before i can't get it i'm a casual race fan and it may be a while before we get to see the next motorsport entry i've also got game pass so i'll have access to it when it eventually drops does drop shout out to josiah for trying out some chicken sandwiches all right temple knight this is a very important question so forza motorsport 7 the latest of the motorsport games is being delisted and this is pretty typical of forza games they, they usually get delisted within like within like three to five years of their launch yeah so it, it is still on game pass at the moment right it's definitely worth a play on game pass if you want to buy the game for 20 bucks now i think it's a decent deal and here's why the next forza motorsport game we they've already announced it they announced it last year um, it's probably coming out next year. Usually it's an alternating thing where it's like Motorsport, then, then, then Horizon, then Motorsport, then Horizon. And last year we didn't get a Forza, which was odd, I know. But, you know, Pandemic and all these other things. And then this year we're getting Forza Motorsport 5. Sorry, Forza Horizon 5. But I think we're going to get the, for, the next Forza Motorsport next year because they already announced it last year. And they announced it as a games-as-a-service type thing. So the next Forza Motorsport 
is going to be to Forza what Halo Infinite is to Halo, where they're like, oh, this is the platform. It's like a 10-year game. So I think their plan is going to be to have it out next fall. I would be surprised if it's anything beyond that. And if it is, it would only be 2023. But even then, let's assume it comes out next fall, 2022. It would be worth, you know, 20 bucks to get Forza Motorsport 7 now before it's delisted this September so that for the next 12 months, you've got yourself a Forza, the latest and greatest Forza Motorsport to play. Uh, but keep in mind, if you're only a casual fan of this kind of game, you know, you could play like a lot of other games, the F1 games, all these Codemaster racing games that just went into Game Pass. You can play Forza Horizon which is obviously in Game Pass as well. All these other games, Forza Horizon 5 is about to come out in November, and you could use these to hold you over. Now, the difference is Forza Motorsport is a very techie, very nerdy, simulating track racing game. It's not arcadey like Horizon and like Dirt and these other games. So that there is that to be said. But again, if you have to have that kind of classic Forza Motorsport action, then I would say, yeah, 20 bucks, it's worth it because it's going to get you at least a year before the next motorsport comes out but i think otherwise since you do say you are a pretty casual racing fan i think there's plenty of racing games on game pass and plenty more to come in, in over the next few months that you have enough to keep you busy so it's really a question you gotta ask yourself do you need the more authentic track-like nitty-gritty nerdy experience of forza motorsport or do you just need some fun racing games because if that's the case game pass got you covered you don't need to spend no money on that but i understand the want to maybe buy a physical copy of forza motorsport 7 preserve the history a little bit you know i always lament when those games go off 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 online, you know, because it's it, it's sad, you know. That's why I bought Forza Motorsport three and, and things like that, or Forza Horizon three, is because like I love these specific titles and I want to you know preserve them and be able to access them even even once the licenses expire. And that's and that's why these things happen because there's so many licenses between car brands and car makes and models and music and all this stuff where. It just doesn't make financial sense for them to try to constantly re-up all these various contracts they have in every game when they have another game in the pipeline. So obviously part of the next Forza game being a games-as-a-service type platform is you know an attempt to combat this constant issue they're having with each entry. But I would recommend you buy it if you got to have it. If, if you don't, if you're a more casual racing fan, they're just just take the next year to really enjoy all the racing content Game Pass has to offer. Maybe expand, broaden your horizons a bit, you know? All right, a little surprise last-minute comment there. But, guys, we've got news to talk about. So our first news story of the day comes straight from the horse's mouth, IGN.com. They say, The announcement of a new game mode, aptly titled Fortnite Imposters, was published by Epic Games on its website this week. According to the developer, Fortnite Imposter is a high-fidelity game mode that will feature a maximum of 10 players. At the start of each round, players will be split up into teams of eight agents and two imposters on the new map known as the Bridge, a facility used by the Imagined Order to maintain control of the Fortnite island. In a similar style to Among Us, the eight agents must work together to maintain the order on the bridge while simultaneously rooting out the charlatans in their, ra- in their ranks. Throughout the map, each agent will have a number of unique assignments to carry out. These range from repeating battle busts to calibrating llamas across a top-secret facility. In contrast, the roles of the imposters quite similar, quite simple. Eliminate enough of the agents to overrun the control of the bridge without being voted off the map. I'm sure this all sounds very familiar to you. And if it sounds familiar, listen to this part. Soon after this news was announced, Among Us developer Innersloth confirmed to IGN that the team did not work on with Epic Games on this Fortnite imposter mode at all, but they do say that fans should keep an eye out for collaborations between Among Us and other indie developers soon. Here's the team's full statement. We didn't work with Epic on it, although we would have loved to. 
we found out the same way everyone else did. We've been working on some really cool collabs with other indie developers that we can hopefully share soon enough. Now, also in addition to this, the the developers uh, behind Among Us, of which there are only like three or four, it's a small team or whatever, were tweeting out, you know, kind of like takes on this. And it seemed like a lot of it was like, hey, man, we can't, we don't own, you know, these concepts. We're not, we don't have a patent on this kind of game. We didn't invent this. This is, we just popularized it. But like, it's kind of lame that you like took what we did beat for beat and didn't even try to do your own spin on it. You basically just made, you know, Among Us in Fortnite. <laughs> and that was kind of, this has kind of sparked some controversy where a lot of people are like, yo, Fortnite, that wasn't cool. And the the real reason why this stands out so much is because Fortnite, <laughs> you know, the massively successful phenomenon that this game is, is only as big as it is because it was Epic's, you know, response to PUBG. It was their way of saying, hey, this battle royale thing seems to be like taken off. I wonder if we could do it. And so they took their tower defense, not tower defense, but you know, fort defense, whatever game they were working on, Fortnite, save the world, and pivoted to this secondary battle royale mode that just blew up overnight and eventually became the thing we know today as Fortnite. And it's just kind of funny because it's like, well, Fortnite, you know, made its made its name by just kind of copying this trend that was popular at the time. And now, you know, they're still on top. They're still the big dog. But now there's these other trends, like games like Among Us, that are getting huge. And their response is like, yeah, let's uh, let's ape that too. <laughs> and so now there's a new Fortnite mode that's Among Us, just like there's the Fortnite mode that's PUBG. And obviously there's nothing wrong with this. You know, you think about it, it's like, that'd be like complaining that like, oh, Call of Duty's ripping off Halo because Halo has Team Deathmatch. But Halo is ripping off... Unreal Tournament and Quake because it has Team Deathmatch, which is, you know, it's like we're not here to talk about who invented Team Deathmatch and who has the rights to it. But the the complaint here is that what they've done here is just so one-to-one. It's so incredibly egregious that it's like, well, if you had made it at least somewhat unique, you know, maybe people wouldn't be like Apex Legends, for example. Like Apex Legends is a battle royale game, but it's nothing like PUBG. You know, it's the mechanics, the gameplay are completely different. It's first person. It's squads of three. It, it has to be squads of three. And the mechanics are so incredibly different. It's about, you know, traversal and sliding and all these kinds of different maneuverabilities. The armor upgrade system and the weapons system is entirely different. The characters, it has like a, a hero shooter kind of infusion to it where every character has its own special abilities and traits. It has an art style that makes it stand out above the rest. It has so much going for it in Apex Legends that it's like, oh yeah, Apex Legends is a battle royale game, but it's not a PUBG ripoff, you know? And even Fortnite, I would say, is different enough from PUBG that it's like, oh, well, Fortnite's not a PUBG ripoff, you know? It's like their version of that because it's got the building mechanic and it's got the throw-up-in-your-face art style and all this shit. It's like, oh, it's cute. They got the little battle bus thing. It's like, it's it's different enough that it's its own thing. But this mode, the, the issue here is that people are looking at it and they're saying, you didn't do enough to make this, like, Fortnite's take on an Among Us-type game. They're like, no, this is pretty much just like you guys blatantly ripping off Among Us. And that's kind of the the criticism here. And now, I don't totally buy this criticism 100%. I, you know, again, it's like, it's not like they had this patented or trademarked or anything. It's, it's, I don't know, like, this is what happens when you believe in a sort of free market 
kind of game sphere, right? And I saw Windows Central, Jez Corden, actually, who, you know, I love and respect. We always talk about him. We we use their articles all the time on the show. But I saw him kind of, like, venting a little bit about, like, how this is hypocritical of Epic, the, the guys behind Fortnite, because they're in this lawsuit with Apple right now about how it's unfair for, you know, it's hypocritical for them to be calling out Apple for, like, taking all this money from small-time developers, taking huge cuts from the App Store, and kind of, like, belittling and, and holding down the little developers so that they can gain, you know, being the top dogs at, at the top of the pyramid. It's, like, it's kind of hypocritical for them to be suing Apple over that on one, one side of their mouth, and then on the other side of their mouth, they're like, hey, introducing this uh, new thing that's basically ripping off a small developer that we're going to profit greatly off of. It's, like, I understand the knee-jerk, like, parallel to draw there but i don't think it's entirely a one-for-one one because if you really pay attention to the nitty-gritty and, and the thing is just cordon's european he couldn't possibly know this so you gotta forgive him he's not familiar enough with american economics enough to know and that's that's a joke by the way but you know if, epic Games ceo tim sweeney he he had a very kind of like free market approach to this like apple lawsuit where his whole thing wasn't that Apple should, you know, that Apple should be like paying developers or spotlighting developers or shouldn't be taking ideas from developers, but rather that it was they take too much of a cut from developers, you know, profits and sales on their app store and that it was they make they deny certain developers, you know, access to their store, take their ideas and then outdo them and put them out of business more or less. What Epic has done here with their imposter mode isn't like it's not like totally unfair to Among Us. It's not like they said, well, Among Us can't be sold on the Epic Game Store and um, uh, we want to make money off Among Us so that, you know, we can we can rake in the cash on the success of that game. It's that that that's not what they're doing here. They're just saying like, you made this game that's very popular. We're gonna do our own version of it and made the best product win. It's it's it's. I'm not trying to like <laughs> preach a libertarian free market capitalist kind of uh, like a uh, message here and say it's the right thing to do. But I'm just saying if you pay attention enough to that lawsuit between between Apple and Epic, this seems pretty much in line with what Tim Sweeney was was really talking about, which is like let the better product win. Make a make a market where the two things can stand on their own as individual products and. and the consumers will decide what the better thing is because you know even if this is a blatant ripoff and i and i agree to an extent i think it's somewhat uninspired and a little uncreative what they've done here like i i i'm in agreement on that much but if you think about it it's like it's not like by making this mode you know epic has reached into the pockets of the among us developers and stolen their money or, or taken a cut of their game sales or anything like that at the end of the day if people play both of these games they still have the right to be like i don't know i like among us better or like oh hey you know this fortnite version's better than among us let's let's start playing fortnite's imposter mode i don't know it's like they've all they've done is created their own version of a thing that's popular that they have every legal right to do and now consumers can try both versions and decide which one they like so is it a little tasteless yeah is it a little tacky to just kind of take their idea and to kind of not really put enough of a creative spin on it and to not really do much to reinvent the wheel yeah sure it's like reaction videos on youtube it's like you're not fucking adding to anything you're just you're just watching someone else's content and then talking over it it's like that's not that's not really like content in itself it's just kind of like aping other people's work it's it's tacky shouldn't be illegal there's nothing wrong with it it's just you know it's it's not you know it's, it doesn't make you a bad guy it's just kind of like lame you know so i don't know i i don't take as much issue with this i think again it's like let's wait till the mode's out is this imposter mode good is it fun is it better than among us you know i i bet it's probably not a lot of among us's charm is that it's this tiny little file size that can run and play very well on everything from 
uh, a shitty work laptop to an iPhone to a gaming PC to an Xbox so everyone can play it. It's 2D and simple, and the art style is, a p- is, is simplistic enough that anyone and everyone can see what it is, see what's going on, jump in and play and get a hang of it. You know, Fortnite, it's a little more obtuse. It's a 3D game. It's this thing that's heavily associated with a very specific crowd. You know, it's like you're not going to see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez jumping on a live stream to play Fortnite the way she did to play Among Us. Among Us is a very specific thing that captured a very, you know, that captured a very specific kind of person. You know, and it was I think it's one of those things that kind of transcended beyond just the, the, the gamer crowd. So, you know, let's not write it off and assume that this is just stealing among Us is lunch, and that's going to be an unfair battle. When just because Fortnite's the huge thing it is, I, I still think Among Us has got a lot of opportunity here and a lot of a lot of a chance to be like, no man, we created this. We're the kings here. We we're going to stand our ground. And at the end of the day, you know, when we go to toe to toe, people are going to realize our game's better, our product's better. And I don't know. I just again, it's I I think this is a little overblown. It's like yeah, it's it's kind of lame. It'd be cool if they did an Among Us inspired mode, but they put their twist on it, you know, I don't, I don't know what that would be, maybe it's like, uh, maybe it's like, uh, you can, um, build your way, in, you can, bu- you know, Fortnite, you can build shit with wood blocks and stuff, maybe you can build yourself a personality, so people will think you're someone you're not, and they'll never know you're the imposter, I don't fucking know, listen, I don't make Fortnite, you guys, you guys put yourself in that corner by making Fortnite, don't blame me, but, I don't know, I, I just think it's a little bit of an overblown situation, nonetheless, you guys let me know what you think about that, I'd, I'd actually be interested to hear, couple different takes because i feel like my i feel like my takes probably a little bit of an unpopular one on that on that story so i'd be interested to see how people object to it speaking of fortnite our next story comes from ign and reads that outriders developer people can fly says that it doesn't know how many copies of their game they have sold and they haven't even earned any royalties from the game, suggesting it hasn't been very profitable for publisher Square Enix. Announced on the, devel- the developer's investor website, People Can Fly explained that they agreement- the agreement with Square Enix meant that it would receive any royalties for the game's first uh, quarter on sale by August 16th, 2021. No funds were transferred, which People Can Fly suggests means that according to the publisher, the revenue from the sale of the game are lower than the total cost of production, including quality assurance, distribution, and promotion. People Can Fly executive Sebastian Wojowski added that the company had no firm data for copies sold, saying, quote, we don't have any sales figures for Outriders. We estimate that between two and three million units have been sold and assume that there was a result that was a result that would ensure profitability for the project in the first quarter of sales. The lack of payment by the publisher probably means that according to Square Enix, this is not the case. Wojowski, however you say it, also suggested that the lack of profitability could be a co- could be caused by the publisher, including distribution partners, that the game was launched in a Game Pass, for example, or that Square Enix has spent more than expected on releasing the game. It wouldn't be a unique situation for Square since last year the publisher announced that Marvel's Avengers had failed to recoup its development costs a few months later after launch. Wojowski added that the game was still being worked on. People Can Fly expected more promotional work from Square Enix and that the sales tale of Outriders game is already ahead of us. As a result, the company expected royalties to begin this year. We've contacted Square, or IGN contacted Square Enix for comment. People Can Fly is currently working on new games for both Square Enix and Take-Two, but Wojowski says a third new game is in the planning stages, with the developer intending to self-publish it. That seems to come down in part to the situation like Outriders saying, quote, working with publishers has many advantages, but it also has disadvantages. One of them is low impact on sales activities and income 
an incompleteness or as in this case, a lack of data obtained from publishers in this regard. This is one of the reasons why, apart from working with publishers, we have decided to develop more projects uh, whose IP will remain the property of the company and which will be published by the company. So this is a weird one to me because shortly after Outriders came out, we were put under the impression by initial reports that the game was doing much better than expected and that Square Enix was quite pleased with the performance of Outriders. So that's why I have a bit of a head-scratching moment on this one. Now, I've seen a lot of people talking about how, well... I, you know, the game had a lot of bugs at launch, so it's no surprise that it failed. I don't buy that at all, actually. I think the... So, here's the thing is, remember last year, Square Enix's problem was that Avengers game came out, it sucked, no one liked it, and it way underperformed, and they spent so much fucking money on it because the Avengers license is expensive, and they spent a lot of money on marketing. The whole thing with Outriders was, well, they got another one of these games-like service-type deals up coming down the pipeline. You think they're fucked two times in a row? And so they made the, de the decision to delay Outriders out of February into April, and they put out a demo so people could try before they buy and, and, and get a taste for the game, hoping that that would in you know peak interest and boost pre-order numbers and things like that and if you'll remember the demo went really well like uh, like millions of people downloaded and played the demo when it was out and then the the other big announcement was oh it's coming to game pass so tons and tons of xbox players will just have access to it through game pass so the, the one two combo of here's the demo we're releasing it slash we're releasing it in a slow kind of lull moment for game releases paired with Game Pass, so tons of players will just have access to it. You know, all of that together put a bunch of um, put a bunch of interest in the game, and we saw a lot of people go from not even knowing this game existed to talking about it a lot. And then NPD numbers reported that it was actually a pretty big selling game, especially on PlayStation platforms where they didn't have Game Pass, so players didn't have free access to the game, so or included access with their subscription. I should say, I should say. So we had a lot of anecdotal evidence up until this point to show that Outriders actually kind of did better than we were initially thinking. People thought this was going to be a game that no one knew about, no one saw coming, kind of came and went, flopped and a story but it ended up being a game where it's like people last minute started paying attention to it it went on game pass it got a lot of goodwill from the xbox community and then a lot of people ended up buying it anyway even on playstation and the game was something of a moderate success considering that it came out in a time where everyone had a new next-gen console was still in lockdown from a pandemic and we're eager to play new games so we, until this point everyone or at least I was under the impression that Outriders did pretty well. So I have a hard time shaking all that information and just being like, oh, well, I, I guess it underperformed. So there, there's a couple things here. There's always the possibility that, yes, Square Enix way overspent on marketing. You know, maybe maybe development costs were under control and then people can fly hand off the project to Square Enix and they went way too hard on the marketing and, and all that and then ended up just uh, squandering the profitability of the game by spending too much money on trying to promote it. I don't think that's the case because we didn't see too big of a marketing push for this game, but that's a possibility, right? The other thing is it, it's possible that Square Enix is doing some shady shit here because we don't know how much they got paid from Microsoft to put this game on Game Pass, and then we don't know how much they skew those numbers from revenue or profitability or copies sold of the game. So, for example, right now we know in the movies industry, Scarlett Johansson, the actress, is suing the Walt Disney Company because Disney did that really scummy thing where they're like, oh yeah, you'll get a bonus, uh, you you have the potential to earn bonus money based on how this movie performs its first couple of weekends at the box office. And then nowhere in the contract did it mention that Disney was also going to put that new Black Widow movie. Sorry, this is all regarding the new Black Widow movie. But nowhere in Scarlett Johansson's contract did Disney mention that they were going to put Black Widow on Disney Plus for premiere access. Basically meaning that people didn't have to go to the movie theater to watch the new Black Widow the movie. They could just 
go on their TV at home and watch on Disney Plus by paying like 15, 30 bucks, whatever it was, to download it early. So she wasn't made aware of that. The movie somewhat underperforms at the box office. No big surprise there. She doesn't meet the sales, she doesn't meet the ticket sales goal or whatever to get her bonus that was in her contract. She's pissed. She wasn't she wasn't told this. Now she's suing Disney. It's a whole big thing that's happening in Hollywood right now. I kind of see this as a potential similar thing, not where I'm saying that people can fly is suing Square Enix. I don't, we don't know that Square Enix necessarily has done anything wrong, but it is possible that they told people can fly. Yeah, we're going to give you, we're going to give you royalties based on the game sales once it hits a, a certain threshold. And then what happened was the game sold incredibly soft on Xbox because Game Pass and Square Enix didn't take that into account. They said, well, you know, if all the people who played the game on Xbox, purchased the game at $60 rather than played it through Game Pass, yeah, we would have done well enough that you guys would have gotten your royalty money. But as it turns out, those people didn't pay 60 bucks a pop to play this game. They just played it through Game Pass. And we just got a lump sum of money from Microsoft for putting the game on our service. So that doesn't really count. It's not the same thing. It's not what we agreed to. Suck it. You don't get your royalty money. And I think there's a possibility that that could be what happened. Now, I'm not saying Screen Anx are a shitty company and that they have a track record for doing these things. No. But, you know, I'm always a little weary of big business. I always assume they're doing something shitty. So that's why my mind goes here and thinks this. Plus, you know, the Disney example I just brought up, I'm like, could be a very similar circumstance. We live in a weird, weird time now where games aren't as simple as you just buy them or you don't buy them or movies aren't as simple as you go to the theater and see it or you don't see it. We live in a world now where you can have HBO Max or Disney Plus and see the new movie that just came out from your home. We live in a world where sometimes a brand new game comes out developed by PlayStation and for some reason you get it for free on Xbox. It's a weird free, you know, obviously you pay for the subscription, but you know what I mean? We live in a weird time here where a lot of conventional thinking is being flipped on its head. So it wouldn't surprise me entirely if that's what is happening here. So I just want to put that out there. Different way to interpret it. Obviously, it's very speculative. We could never know for sure. And it's not very fair to make that assumption without any concrete evidence. But I can't help but just, you know, have my mind go there and speculate on that. Again, I don't have hard numbers, but it seemed pretty pretty firm, pretty concrete that Outriders had done pretty well. And they even they even said, didn't they, like a month or two after the game came out that like Outriders is something of a success. We're going to work on more. We're investing more in this franchise. We're going to do DLC or a sequel or something. They said they were going to do more in the Outriders IP. So why would that be the case if the game wasn't performing? And if the game was performing, how would they have not hit their sales goals to earn royalty money so it just seems like there's some missing information missing data missing facts here and we're not able to really paint the full picture because i i really don't buy this whole well i guess the game didn't do too well and i saw a lot of people saying oh well you know the game came out it had so many server issues and so many bugs that that really fucked things up it's like i don't know man that's not really how these things work like games come out broken all the time and that doesn't hurt the sales what hurts the sales is if it's not a game people want to buy, you know, people buy bad, broken games all the fucking time. Look at the sale of Cyberpunk. Look at how incredibly well Cyberpunk sold. It didn't matter how fucking broken that game was. People still kept fucking buying it. That game was still charting on MPD months after it came out, even though it was fucking broken. And PlayStation took it off their digital marketplace because it was broken. So I don't buy the whole like, oh, well, it was buggy and glitchy and that deterred a lot of people so they didn't buy it. I don't think that's true. I think there's more here and we don't know it, but I do hope we get an update on this. I hope we see this story continue to develop and we learn more because I think there's some miscommunication or misunderstanding or some kind of contractual loophole happening here where these guys aren't getting their money, but I don't think Outriders, I'm not, Outriders wasn't a Super Smash Bros, Last of Us, Halo 3 level like seller. I'm not saying that, but 
you know, I think Outriders sold well. At least at least better than this story leads on. So we will have to hope we get an update on that at some point. All right, then our next big one here comes from Windows Central. Speaking of Jez Corden, Rockstar Games is remastering three Grand Theft Auto games on Xbox and PC, according to a report from Kotaku. The games in question are Grand Theft Auto 3, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which originally launched in 2001, 2, and 4, respectively. The games are reportedly being remastered using Epic's Unreal Engine, while development of the remasters is being led by Rockstar Dundee. The Scottish studio is the newest addition to the Rockstar games and was known as Ruffian Games before being acquired. That was about a year ago. We reported that on the show. Ruffian Games was the lead developer of Crackdown 2 and also provided support work for Halo the Master Chief Collection. The plans for the remastered games are also reportedly shifted due to the pandemic, with the possibility that the games might launch in November, but the mobile and PC versions of the game could be delayed to next year. It also appears that three games will be bundled the three games will be bundled together as a digital only package. Per the report, new ports of the game like Red Dead Redemption are also possibly on the table, though this could depend on the sales of the remastered GTA trilogy. 2019 Western Adventure Red Dead Redemption 2 sold over 38 million units as of early 2021, so that could be a reason or motivating factor for wanting to do that. Now, Rockstar Games' latest entry in the Grand Theft Auto series, of course, Grand Theft Auto 5, recently crossed the 150 million copies sold milestone, with the new version of GTA 5 on Series X and Series S scheduled to launch this November 11th. So yeah, that makes these the likely suspects now i don't see how this isn't the case rockstar dundee was officially brought on board about a year ago for this very you know these guys have a history working on ports and working on things like that and they were brought in for this kind of thing again obviously rockstar doesn't really make games other than gta online anymore so there's really only two possibilities the port studio they bought is either making ports or the port studio they bought is working on more content for gta online which is possible but i think it's pretty obvious that they're probably working on like new remastered port type deals so I believe this story 100%. I believe this rumor 100%. I think this is almost all but definitely happening with, with, with serious confidence. What What is there to say? This this is cool, I guess, considering the fact that Grand Theft Auto V is now like one of the top three best-selling games of all time, not including bundled products like Wii Sports. This is, you know, it's expected. They need to do more with Grand Theft Auto, but the problem is Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013. It's 20, 2021. So eight years ago, we got a Grand Theft Auto game, and ever since then, we've just been like, Where's that story DLC? Where's that next Grand Theft Auto game? And this offers them a way of being like, hey, all those people that aren't into GTA Online, all those people that want new GTA, just throw them a fucking bone. Just give them some remastered ports of the games they miss, right? And yeah, I'll take it. Like I would, even I would buy this. I'm, I'm not even that big. I think Grand Theft Auto is kind of overrated. And I'm, I, I don't appreciate it nearly as much as it seems like a lot of other people do. Um, but fuck, I would buy this. I love Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City. I'm very nostalgic for those two games in particular. Those are my favorite Grand Theft Autos, so I'd fucking buy this. I think this is a easy, 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 I don't want to say cash grab, but, you know, relatively low effort project that they can put together, you know, even if it is a proper remaster. Um, you know, it's not like, this isn't by any stretch of the imagination the kind of undertaking of, like, making a new Grand Theft Auto. So, relatively lower effort easy to commit to lower cost kind of way being like here's more grand theft auto for all you fucks that won't shut up about how grand theft auto 5 is eight years old and there's still new no no word on a new project so yeah that makes sense also i mean if you go back and play like grand theft auto 3 today you know that that game controls and looks like ass like we remember it playing well but it's 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 borderline unplayable you know like you run holding x and the camera's all like 
choppy and wonky and you know all, all these kinds of things like those games could benefit from a visual overhaul, a camera overhaul, a new button layout, you know, some of these little quality of life things we are used to and take for granted in 2021. So I'm I'm in I'm I'm up for this. People seem really excited about it. I think it's all but confirmed. Yeah, this is cool. I think we'll probably see. I feel like an announcement like this would be made at like some Sony event if they were going to have one. Um, otherwise, I don't. They would just have to do a random drop because that's really the only way Rockstar announces things is they either talk about something when they're ready to talk about it all on their own, and it's usually pretty close to launch. They usually do short announcement to release times, or you know, since they're in bed with PlayStation these days. I could see them, you know, if PlayStation is going to have some big play, state of play event in the next month or two, I could see them putting this in with that, you know, announcing it there. And then you dig into the press releases and find out, oh, it's also coming to Xbox. Okay. So I don't know. But I, I wouldn't expect, like, these aren't from the ground up remakes. This isn't like Halo 2 Anniversary Grand Theft Auto 3. This is going to be like Grand Theft Auto 3, but with better camera controls, better controls overall, added lighting now rendered in 4k you know things like that but it's not going to be like wow we redid every art asset and now it looks basically like grand theft auto 6 you know that's that's not what i would be expecting here but interesting news story i think we just that's it's just a matter of time before it happens but uh exciting i know a lot of people are pretty excited for that one and then next our last big story of the day second week in a row third week in a row goddamn call of duty get out of here so i typed this one up because i just had to following months of rumors and more recently leaks activision have finally confirmed the existence of 2021's call of duty as everyone already knew the game is being developed by sledgehammer the guys behind advanced warfare and world war ii as everybody already knew the game is titled call of duty vanguard and as everybody already knew the game will launch sometime in fall of 2021 what everyone did not know, however, is that until now, is that the game will have an official announcement this Thursday, August 19th, the day this podcast goes live, so you already know more than what I'm telling you at this moment. The announcement will take place in Call of Duty Warzone, the series' popular Battle Royale mode, that it will be announced very similarly to the way Black Ops Cold War was announced last year, signaling that this is likely going to continue to be the norm for Call of Duty announcements going forward, with the proper reveals being around August rather than their more traditional late spring announcements that we were basically accustomed to uh, i don't know since like modern warfare 2 or whatever so by the time you're hearing this you likely already have seen the game and you know a lot about it and the internet's already freaking blowing up and the youtube trailer is probably downvoted into oblivion however all that matters is reports are suggesting that the black ops developer treyarch is supposedly helming vanguard's call of duty vanguard's zombie mode meaning that the horde-based undead mode might actually be worth a damn this year a world war ii zombie mode developed by treyarch now i know i said you know after last year's call of duty sojourn i i learned i'm a treyarch man don't need to play the modern warfare games the or sorry don't need to play the infinity war games don't need to play the sledgehammer games I'm good with just the Treyarch stuff. I am a Black Ops man through and through. And then obviously all the shit with Activision Blizzard happened. And I said, disgusting. I can't. I can't stand for it. I'm not buying Call of Duty anymore. I'm a man of principle. And I have too much respect for the victims of these harassment cases. I will not be buying an Activision game this year in protest of these events. But also, oh, World War II zombies. So I guess you can cuck out a little bit to the Chinese government, right? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I know that sounds awful, but I'm actually excited to see more of this. I, I saw a lot of people, you know, there are like little tonal trailers released and little screen art that was leaked and stuff like that. And it showed like people were likening it a lot to Battlefield 5 because Battlefield 5, as you'll remember, got so much flack because it was quote unquote 
too woke and social justice because they're like, oh, it's World War II, but, you know, you, you play as a lot of women, a lot of people of color, and there's a lot of, you know, people, like, differently abled people with, like, with, like, fake arms and legs and shit like that, and people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's World War II. We know how World War II was fought. It was a bunch of white dudes from the, from Nebraska that got thrown into Germany and they, and they died. Like, hey, come on. If you're going to make a game about World War II, be factually accurate. And then the developers of Battlefield Five were like, listen, man, I don't give a shit about historical accuracy. I want to create an idealized world so my daughter can relate to the video games I play. That's more or less a thing a guy from DICE literally said about the game. I'm not taking a side here. I don't give a shit about Battlefield Five, But this is how that went down, and people were really pissed about it. And so I already saw a lot of people feeling very similarly because they're like, oh, the leaked screen art is like women and black people, and it's World War II, and so that's factual actually incorrect it's like dude who gives a shit honest to god who fucking gives a shit because the real problem here <laughs> is that this is going to be sledgehammer games third attempt at making a call of duty they made 2014's advanced warfare they made 2017's world war ii and both of them were incredibly disappointing from a gameplay perspective they just don't have the fun addicting arcade loop that like a black ops game has and so that's the real concern here is you're giving Sledgehammer on the keys to the franchise another time. You really think they can pull it off this time? That's what I'm more interested to learn is, is this going to be a fun Call of Duty or is it going to be another Call of Duty World War II where I'm like, oh, that looks good. And then I buy it, I pay full price, and then it ends up being really disappointing and then I never play it again. So that's what I'm more interested in than the, the historical accuracy slant. That doesn't really fucking matter. It's fucking Call of Duty. All you do is blow people's faces off anyway. So I don't know. I, a lot of people are already down on this game. I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt because you got... It seems like the way they're developing Call of Duty games more and more, especially just because the typical two or three year cycle that they were doing where it's like Infinity Ward, make all of this game your own for three years and Treyarch, then you make this game all on your own for three years and a Sledgehammer, you do it this these three years. It, that's becoming more and more untenable as we add Warzone into the mix and as games just increasingly become higher budget, harder to develop, require more talent, more teams, more art disciplines. It, it's just a, a really impossible ask. So what we're seeing a lot with Call of Duty now is it's like, okay, this team work on this, this team work on this. You know, it's like Raven, Toys for Bob, the guys that make Tony Hawk, the guys that make everything Jesse loved as a child, Guitar Hero developers. You guys, go make Warzone and make Jesse want to fucking burn his eyeballs out because this game fucking sucks, asshole. You guys go make that. And then uh, Treyarch, let's see, you guys are really good at fun multiplayer. So you guys... Go make the multiplayer mode, and uh, okay, um, uh, what, what what can you guys do? Okay, Infinity Ward, you guys make good campaigns, okay? Modern Warfare 2019, pretty good campaign. You guys go make the campaign mode. I feel like they, they're doing a lot more of that shit here, so I, I kind of like this approach to Call of Duty development, because it means that rather than it being like every couple of years I find a Call of Duty I like, it's like every Call of Duty has a little something I like, and I, I, I'm into that. Like, last year, Black Ops Cold War, I thought... Treyarch did a great job with the multiplayer. Uh, Raven did a fantastic job with the campaign. I loved Black Ops Cold War's campaign. Um, everyone who worked on Warzone did a fucking awful job with Warzone. I didn't touch it. Pretty typical. And But that way it was like, you know, I spent 70 bucks on Black Ops Cold War, but I got a kick out of the zombies, the multiplayer, the campaign. The Warzone can suck a dick. So I, that's how I'm thinking about this. It's like, well, I, I've already played Advanced Warfare and World War II, and I can tell you I don't like sledgehammers attempts at call of duty so far i think their multiplayer is just missing something their campaigns are a little too serious and kind of boring like it's just not doing it for me but if you tell me well yeah sledgehammers making this new call of duty but treyarch's making the zombies i'll be like okay 
Maybe not $70, but, you know, first time the game goes on sale, maybe a New Year's sale, maybe I get it for, like, 55 bucks or something. I, I might put 55 bucks down if it means I can play some fun, you know, Treyarch zombies, like Nazi zombies, like World War II Nazi zombies, like Call of Duty World at War level zombies. Fuck yeah. I, I, I'd do that. So, you know, it seems like we're getting into that a little more and more with Call of Duty. I'll, I'll be interested to see next year's in particular because presumably 2022's Call of Duty is going to be Modern Warfare 2, like a, a sequel to 2019 Modern Warfare, uh, whatever they decide. I, I don't think it's going to be called Modern Warfare 2. I think it will be called Modern Warfare colon something, like Modern Warfare New Frontier, Modern Warfare the most, uh, Modern Warfare Modernism, you know, something like that. Like Kind of like how it's a Black Ops Cold War, not Black Ops 5. So I think they're going to name it something like that. But... I don't know, it'd be cool. It's like, what if, what if, uh, what if Treyarch is working on the next Modern Warfare? And what if Raven's working on the next Modern Warfare? I know they all work on all of them because of like Warzone, but I'm talking about like the multiplayer, the zombies, the campaign, the stuff that's actually worth a damn. So I don't know. I, I'm not as down on this, but I, I should probably not talk about it because by the time you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen gameplay, you've already gotten a proper reveal, you've already gotten a release date, you already know what the fucking GameStop pre order bonus is. You know, why do you need to listen to me talk about before renew? That's a waste of your time. I'm sorry. That's going to do it for all of our big news stories now. Well, actually, with the exception of a little Game Pass update. seems like every week we get a Game Pass update. So this has become a regular run of the show. Maybe I need to put it in its own category for the show. But available today, some new Game Pass games. Humankind on PC. I saw a lot of people talking about this game. I still haven't taken a look at it. I need to figure out more about what that is because people seem really into it. Also, Need for Speed Heat is on cloud through EA Play. Star Wars Battlefront 2 is on cloud through EA Play. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is on cloud through EA Play. All those games were already on EA Play. Uh, via not cloud, so whatever. And then coming soon, a couple new games. Recompiles coming to cloud consoles, Series X and S only, and PC on August 19th. Continuing with August 19th, we've got Train Sim World 2, cloud console and PC. And 12 Minutes, which we talked about at the top of the show, comes out today, cloud console PC, August 19th. You can play all these games, have a blast. And then on August 25th, we got next week, new console exclusive, new first party game that's also coming to PlayStation because of some previous agreements, Psychonauts 2, baby. And I really want to go finish Psychonauts 1 this weekend, but I don't know if I, I, I realistically, I don't know if I'm going to get to it, but Psychonauts 2, cloud console and PC, August 25th, it's in the whole new game. Tim Schafer's going to have made it. It's going to be a whole thing you can play. And then Mist is coming to cloud console and PC on August 26th. So, hey, there you go. Also next week. Now, that's going to do it for all of our news stories. But we're going to jump into our important enough news. These are the stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, but not big enough to be at the top of the show where we talked about some stories that we didn't include in the run of notes, but we talked about anyway. Uh, anyway, we got three quick ones. So... First one, Windows Central reports that up until now, Series X dashboard guide and other menus have been rendered at 1080p on the Xbox Series X and S, causing it to appear a little fuzzy on 4K TVs. However, starting today, the alpha ring of Xbox insiders can now download a new build update, which fully includes a 4K-supported Xbox Series X dashboard, other UI elements supported on displays. Obviously, it doesn't support the Series S because that's a 1440p console. Fucking suck it, you losers. Hopefully, players won't have to wait too long before this goes out of the insider program and into the regular um, build of the console's UI, which usually only takes a few weeks, so it'll probably be there in the next month or so. Next up, Windows Central also reports that Rare has confirmed Sea of Thieves has sold over 4.8 million units, or sorry, rather, has over 4.8 million active players as of June 2021. This comes alongside the announcement that the free Pirate's Life update, which came out in June, which added the crossover content, including new tall tales with characters from Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, like Jack Sparrow and David Jones. The Sea of Thieves, uh, that this update clearly helped bolster the 
those numbers. And then Sea of Thieves obviously originally launched back in the spring of 2018 with numerous content updates since, including including the Tall Tale story content. Earlier in 2021, Rare announced that Sea of Thieves had crossed 20 million lifetime players. So pretty damn impressive numbers seeing this game continue to sustain itself. Obviously, if we're going to talk about this more, which we're not. This is incredibly indicative of what Xbox is looking to build more of with their big games through Game Pass is these games that have legs, that have additional content and live on and are more than just a one and done release. So Sea of Thieves, really cool to see that go from like a, a mild, okay hit to like a big game. Really fucking cool. So congrats to Rare. And then lastly, IGN reports Biomutant, the open world RPG from Experiment 101, has sold over a million copies and has made its development costs back within its opening week. The developer and parent company Embracer Group announced this during Q1 interim reports saying that Biomutant acted as a key contributing factor to the sales revenue generated in the quarter and that, quote, the main revenue driver, or sorry, that so far the game has sold more than 1 million copies and invest in the full investment into development and marketing as well as acquisition costs for the developer and IP were already recouped within the first week. So Embracer Group, Experiment 101, those guys are probably really thrilled with all that information. So congrats on that as well and your success there. But that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. Well, we're not running too long. We're only running an hour and 35 minutes. It's pretty good. That's pre-edited. Guys, there's new games that come out every week, and now I'm going to read them to you. Go over to Xbox Wire. You look at the new game announcements, and then I tell you what this game is based on the title of the game, a screenshot, and everything else I make up. We got 11 new games this week. Greek Memories of Azure, not Microsoft Azure, but a different Azure, releases August 17th. It's like some kind of stick figure game that looks like Hollow Knight. You played it before. Pile up, box by box. This is a game about a traffic jam, but not cars. I mean boxes, so it's like an Amazon warehouse simulator. Rogue Explorer, this is a game. And then World Superstar Strikers 91 is like Mario Strikers, but instead it's just like little 8-bit sprites, August 18th. Mayhem Brawler comes out August 19th. This literally looks like Marvel vs. Capcom, kind of, with like a like a side-scroll brawling thing. Recompile August 19th is optimized for the Series X and S. It is a Game Pass game. It's so much content going into Game Pass and I can barely find time to play. Uh, Hello Kitty Kart Racing. 12 Minutes comes out August 9th. Xbox Series X optimized, delivered smartly. Game Pass, all the things. There's a person who's handcuffed on the bottom of her floor and there's a guy choking out another guy, killing him. And I don't understand why you'd want to play a game where you look at people die from a top-down perspective. I guess it's like some kind of God simulator where you just watch people suffer and you do absolutely nothing about it. But hey, praise Jesus. And then next we got Arietta of Spirits, which is another one of those eight-bit games. It's a monster plant throwing up on a girl. It's kind of gross. I don't know why you'd want to play that. Checkers for Kids comes out August 20th. I guess this is where kids learn um, how to lose at Checkers because what the fuck kid will... Oh, I, I, no, Mom, I don't want to play Fortnite Imposters mode. I'd like to play Checkers for Kids, please, and thank you. That kid went on to be the next motherfucking... Um, Stephen Hawking, Madden NFL 2022, August 20th. I don't fucking think so. They optimize it for Xbox Series X and X. But does that make it any better or worse than last year? Probably not. It's just the same fucking game. But you're going to buy it anyway. Ha ha I'm going to talk. I just defended Call of Duty for 15 minutes. Rise Eternia. Eterna comes out August 20th. It looks like an old RPG from the SNES. So I'm going to recommend you go play the Japanese Square Enix uh, released Final Fantasy 3, whatever Japanese version, which is Final Fantasy 6 here in the West or whatever it is they say. I don't fucking know. I'm not a nerd. That's going to do for all of our new game releases of the week slow down as a reminder games with gold you guys this is the last week before we find out about the the next slew of games with gold for the month of september so while time is still on our side you can download darksiders 3 for the rest of the month you can download ukulele until september 15th 
Lost Planet 3, you missed it. Fuck, I think I forgot to download that. Garu, Mark of the Wolves, available until the 31st. So go ahead and download that. And with that said, guys, your internet speeds are super slow because I've just named so many fucking games you got to go download. You're all excited but overwhelmed with options and choice because that is the plight of the Xbox gamer. But you are all epic gamers, so I'm sure you'll sort through the, the wreckage and figure out what is good for you to play, what is right for you to play, what is righteous to play. But until then, guys, I gotta go. I gotta go edit this thing, get it up for tomorrow. Tomorrow night, we're gonna do a stream. Please, 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 if you are not already, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube at Xbox On Podcast on YouTube. Also, subscribe to my second channel, my new channel, Lightning Extreme on YouTube. We're gonna be doing some really cool videos. I'm really excited about that video content. And then follow me on Twitch at Lightning Extreme, which is where we are streaming every Monday and Thursday night. We're having a lot of fun. We're playing Splitgate. We're playing Halo. I'm yelling at you guys. I'm getting mad at my computer when all my technology doesn't cooperate. So it's a whole lot of fun. And then follow me on Twitter for updates on all these things at Jesse DeRosa on Twitter. I will be talking about stuff. Please, you're gonna to want to follow me on Twitter because very pertinent to the Xbox ecosystem. Disney just announced their new fast pass replacement system i have many things to say about it so you're going to want to follow me on twitter if you want to keep up with xbox news in that regard but until next week guys i hope you are well get ready for some gamescom rest up eat well get your chicken sandwiches you're going to need them because because we got a lot we got a lot coming up in just a short amount of time so until then gamers power your dreams Nothing